This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed. I've got another 60 minutes of old-time radio crime for you, beginning with Broadway Is My Beat. We'll hear the Kurt Bauer murder case, their episode from October 20th, 1951. After that, it's Murder Is My Hobby and Death Is a Twin. That story aired September 12th, 1947. Broadway's My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. In the sunlight of an October morning, Broadway stands on its street corner and breathes deep of the autumn-filtered air, presses out of its lungs the taste of the night past. This is the time of day when neon is silent, spectaculars doze, the shadows have not yet found their final shapes, and the pavement is flecked with glints of sun fragments. Doorways are opened on the October day, and the night dreams are swept into the gutters. It's the time of the coffee and cakes, and break from the starting gate. And the odds, even up, you never come in. And where I was, the sunlight filtered through Italian damask, swiftly caressed Grecian fragments, a torso in black marble, a head in stone, pocked with antiquity, a glass case with golden coins hermetically sealed against corrosion and desire. And impervious to it all, the man who leaned fastidiously against a Grecian column then lifted his glass of champagne, silently toasted the bust of Plato, then let the realization flow over him that a policeman was there among his treasures. You respond well, you people, and quickly. Bravo. At headquarters, they said your call sounded urgent. Did they say that? How perceptive of you people. The extraordinary qualities one finds in the most unimaginative of uh, delicious. That's right, Mr. Hanson, no imagination. That's why you'll have to tell me the reason I'm here. It's exquisite. You'll be ravished by it. Shall we set it off with champagne? Look, I... You reject the bubbly. It's going to be such a grisly day, Miss Clover. I promise you. It's off to a good start. Goodbye, Mr. Hanson. Come back, idiot man. Come back. In this room full of dead antiquity, there is so much vibrant death, pulsating death. And you turn your back on it. Idiot man. Someone's dead? There will be. Does the statement chafe up an emotion in you? Who? Nola, my wife. Once of such beauty. Such. Beauty that would put all these, my Grecian delicacies, to shame. That torso, for instance. It would blush to its tippy toes at the beauty that once was Nola's. But no more. And she's going to die because... There will be violence of one sort or another. Death? It is almost too much to hope for, is it not? Though Nola deserves it. How that old girl deserves it. She's done something? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. She convinced a boy to come here all the way from Europe. Not Donna's of a boy. Kurt could turn on the old girl. Young gods turn on old beauty sometimes. Destroy it because it offends their sense of the aesthetic. Kurt? Kurt Bauer. A young thing with a pair of skis. I fear Nola is playing with her own demise in that boy. And she's not aware of it. No more than she's aware that... That what? That my daughter Connie... 
by a former less colourful marriage, also has no love for Nola. You must talk to Connie at her place on Sutton. Ask her why she loathes Nola so helplessly. It'll amuse you. And you, Mr. Hanson, what about you? Why? I, too, am a creature of violence. Delicious, isn't it? I don't know one day to the next how I'll react when something's taken away from me. I fear for Nola, Mr. Glover. Such an exquisite fear. That's why you called us? But exactly. Nola's a lovely old girl. I'd fret if there was so much as a scratch on her. You'll prevent that, you people, won't you? If you can. If you can. And saying it, Mr. Hansen poured himself a drink, moved over to the slender Grecian column, faced me and took his stance next to Plato. He fingered his mustache, cocked his head, and used a half of his mouth for a smile. That's the way I left Mr. Hansen. Then call his daughter, be told that Miss Hansen was not at home momentarily. Momentarily, she had an appointment elsewhere at Rockefeller Plaza, the ice skating rink. So go there, have her paged. Miss Hansen, Miss Connie Hansen, please. And watch the skaters briefly, the young thing who catches your eye in pirouettes, and Swifty, the rapid boy on racing blades, and the lady who gets up again, brave and intent, and skates close to the rail and a very tall young woman who skims out of the crowd and talks to the announcer. Hi, Miss Hanson. Uh, that man asked for you. Do you want to see me? Yes, uh, my name's Clover. Uh, can we sit down? Sure, if you want. I'm from the police, Miss Hanson. Go on, go on. I'm not panicky. I had a talk with your father a little while ago. What's his current burden? I'm not sure, Miss Hanson. He seems to be worried about your stepmother. <laughs> He should have started to worry about her 15 years ago, the day he married her. If I were he, I'd give up by now. You know, come philosophical about her. What did he say about stepmother Nola? He said something would happen to her. Somebody... Kurt? He mentioned a name, Kurt Bauer. <laughs> Kurt Bauer. You know something? I've been waiting for Kurt for two hours, just to cross hands with him and dance a blue Danube with him. He won't show up. Would you show up for me, Mr. Clover? For a girl who's six feet tall? I wonder... My complexion's not so bad, but look at this hair. Ever see hair like this on a girl? I chuckle to myself when I put lipstick on my face. Tell me about Kurt Bauer. Hmm, see me gush? Don't make me do that, Mr. Clover. I'd titter and poke you with an elbow. Well, just tell me who he is. Young man, we found him in the Italian Alps. We? Oui? stepmother, Nola, and I. We were skiing. Something came out of the blue and plopped down beside us and made nasty little slaloms in the snow. That was Kurt. What's he doing here? Stepmother, Nola, stopped waxing his skis long enough to tell him she could get him a job come winter at Lake Placid. Then why would he want to do anything to harm her? My daddy tell you he would? <laughs> Dad was ribbing. He's a ribber. Great sense of humor. He reads Plato and hits passers-by over the head with folded newspapers. How about you? You don't like Mrs. Hanson, do you? I don't like any woman who's lovely. You blame me? Now, pardon me, Mr. Clover. There's a tall man skating over there. He's alone. I never saw him before, but maybe he's looking for me. I'll give him something to look at. And 
and watch the girl skate away with a surprising grace, glide to the center of the rink and begin an endless whirling, a whirling whose fuel was disappointment and frustration, the frenetic spinning, turning, cutting of numerals into ice, the magic symbols to draw beauty to her. And it doesn't happen until the awkward crash against the spectator's railing, the clumsy fall that sparked only a laugh, and no one helps her to her feet. <laughs> Check now with the proper authorities for an address on Kurt Bauer, ski instructor. Be given it. Go there. To an apartment whose odors are of wax, of oiled wood and steel. And blended with it the perfume of the woman who runs her fingers across the boy's mouth as he speaks. Please, Nola, please. The man frightened you, Kurt. You've met his type before. Don't be frightened, darling. You will understand, Mr. Clover, that Mrs. Hanson... Nola, darling, Kurt, Nola. Please take your hand from me. In the presence of this gentleman, it is not... Do you realize what you're doing to this boy, Mr. Clover? You frighten him. Because he's been harassed by men like you before. By police? You're all alike, whatever they call you. Police, authority, men on horseback, men in uniform. Only you're not, are you, Mr. Clover? On horseback, I mean, or in uniform. But Kurt has met you before. What it's... Mrs. Hansen is trying to say for me, and I would wish she did not... Kurt, I was only trying to... What say... Mrs. Hansen is trying to say is that I served with the Nazi Alpine Corps against my will, that I deserted them, that my innocence has been proven by your occupation forces in my native Germany that my relationship with Mrs. Hansen is only... Only that, Mr. Clover. I I'm a sort of fading employment agency for young men who fly beautifully through the air. Your husband said he was afraid for you, Mrs. Hansen, that something was going to happen to you. Something bad? By whose hand? Your stepdaughter's, maybe. Kurt's, maybe. Your husband's, maybe. Shall I give you my reaction? Mrs. Hansen, I'll we... give it to you, my reaction. Connie, my stepdaughter, pathetic girl, she's so in love with Kurt. She might hurt me, even try to kill me. Yes, she might. And I could understand it. Believe me, I could. And my husband, you've met him. He's vicious, no? But if he stooped to soil his hands that much, it would astonish me. And Kurt, my Kurt, could you hurt me? Why? I want you to go away from here, Nola. Some place where you will be safe, where you... You're frightened for me, Kurt? You don't want anything to happen to me, your nice American friend? That inn in Vermont. There is snow there now. You will enjoy it, Nola? We'll talk about it, okay? When this gentleman leaves, we'll talk about it. I wish to assure you, sir. He's that... leaving now, Kurt. See? I'm helping him with his coat. And then we'll discuss it. Here. A tug on your jacket, Mr. Clover, and you're ready for the street. Goodbye, Mr. Clover. <laughs> Come on in, Muggerman. What's on your mind? Nothing. Just going home, Danny. How about you? Yeah, a few minutes. You bowling tonight? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, don't do me any favors. You don't feel like bowling? Say you don't feel like bowling. Yeah. What's the matter with you? I'm bewildered, Muggerman. You ever get bewildered? That's why I bowl so much. It takes my mind off the many times I'm bewildered. I can't figure those people, each one of them, Dale Hansen, his wife, his daughter, that Kurt Bauer. What about him? I don't know. If I said they were strange, would you know what I meant? Uh-uh. Me either. 
There's something shrill about all of them, like, like they were waiting for something to happen, like each was waiting for the other to make a move. Mm. One of them was... Danny Clover speaking. Dale Hanson, Mr. Clover. Yes, what is it, Mr. Hanson? Have you been inside Kurt's apartment recently? About three hours ago. Why? I suggest a revisit. I strongly suggest it, Mr. Clover. Goodbye. Who was it, Danny? I'll tell you on the way. Come on. wide open, Danny. Thank you very much for the information, Margovan. Go on in. Right, all right. What's supposed to be here in Kurt's apartment? I don't know. Look in that that room. Uh, yeah. Danny, look. Look, Danny. He stood there in the doorway, Margovan did, pointing, pointing at Kurt Bauer, lying there on the bed, arms outstretched like the beginning of an embrace, like the end of one. And beneath the white silk scarf around his throat was the shaft of a ski pole, steel-tipped, impaling him. It was the thing that killed him, the thing that had murdered Kurt Bauer. You are listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Robert Q. Lewis is in the Waxworks for a solid hour of pop tunes every Saturday night on CBS Radio. If you go in for Tin Pan Alley favorites, come in for Robert Q.'s Waxworks just a little bit later tonight on most of these same stations. Robert Q.'s name guests who know their music and sometimes sing it. America's discs, America currently sold on. Enjoy them all on Robert Q.'s Waxworks later tonight on CBS Radio. <laughs> It's the time that was saved up for, Saturday night on Broadway. The time when the great explosion flings itself out over the city. And the lights climb in columns against the wall of night like licking serpents. Crowd gathers to give it voice. The hawkers, the gawkers, the hurry-up boys, the take-it-easy girls, the laughers, the weepers, the footsteps, the sigh of silk, the whispers. And inside, a thin sheet of glass away, the cocktails on the varnished bar and the piano, and the secret sounds from a corner table. This is it, kid, Broadway, in the blaze of the moon, Saturday night time. And the night had an hour in it to find a man murdered, to consider him, to watch the police technical department attend him, to talk to the medical examiner, the hour to officiate, then to leave. To make a call to Dale Hanson, summon him to headquarters. For the first time in my life, Mr. Clover, I feel, well, municipal, like a citizen. It has the shade of a sensation about it. You knew we'd find Kurt Bauer dead, didn't you? Of course. I called you from the phone next to his deathbed. I've been complimented before on my presence of mind, so you needn't bother. Did you kill him, Mr. Hanson? You are Mr. Clover's, I suppose you people would say, sidekick. Did you kill him? Certainly not. I went to give him his fee for making my dear ones proficient on ice. Let's see that medical examiner's report, Margovan. Oh. Thanks. Uh, Kurt Bauer died at about 7 o'clock, according to this. 
and I called you at nine. From six to eight thirty, I was being sweated and massaged. You may check my club, the Hermitage Club. Well, check it, Margaret. Gramercy five one 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 zero. Let me ask you something, Mr. Hanson. Certainly. You tried to throw us off the track, didn't you? Told me your wife was in danger while it was... Believe me, this whole turn of events is merely a pleasant surprise. Who killed him, Mr. Hanson? I suppose someone whose forte is pleasant surprises. I caused you to frown. Forgive. Did you know your daughter was in love with him? She'll grieve. And your wife? My wife is a foolish woman. And harmless. Her attempts to recapture a lost youth is saddening, but I bear with it. I just spoke to a master named Bill, Danny. Yeah? Yeah, he baked him and massaged him from six to eight. Give him a half hour to get dressed. You're in the clear, Mr. Hanson. You can get out of here. Then the phone call to the Hanson apartment. Be plugged into the chauffeur's quarters. Be told in a crescendo of yawns that Mrs. Nola Hanson had been taken to Grand Central at about four o'clock for a jaunt to Vermont. That she packed three custom-made bags, stopped off at Brooks Brothers for an undersuit of Woolies. Then to your room to watch the October night die out of your reach. Then the morning and the quick searing coffee against the call to be made. The call on Connie Hansen, stepdaughter of Nola, hater of Nola, unloved by Kurt. Miss Hanson, please. Well, who are you? Police. Oh, now you mustn't trouble Miss Constance with why she tried to do away with herself. She tried to commit suicide? When? Last night. Can I see her? Well, doctor left things like you to my discretion. Can I... I see her? Well, I don't see what harm it'll do. Come along. Miss Constance? Didn't make me any more attractive, did it? I thought maybe. Why, Miss Hanson? Why? Kurt's dead, haven't you heard? I ever tell you about Kurt? Beautiful Kurt, handsome Kurt. You're not a woman, so you don't know what it was when he touched you, even by mistake. He never drew his hand away from you the minute he did. I could gush like this forever. You could have killed him, tried suicide knowing it wouldn't work to make us think... <laughs> You're a ray of sunshine, Mr. Colbert. <laughs> you really are. A big help. You're thinking I could kill Kurt. <laughs> that makes me something, doesn't it? Really something. A girl a man could want. <laughs> a man could want a girl like that. I'm sorry, Miss Hanson. I... You better leave, don't you think? Danny? Oh, hello, Gino. Happy holiday. Oh, thanks, Gino. I... Holiday? What holiday? You kidding? No, no, I'm not. What holiday? Why, Danny, on this date in 1774, Samuel Adams did call together the Continental Congress. Oh, uh, I guess it slipped my mind. Eh, don't let it bother you. Last year, I forgot, too. And, Danny, to celebrate this auspicious occasion, I gave my oldest, Emilio, a new Columbia bicycle. <laughs> Why, what a happy, laughing lad he was upon receiving it. I'm sure he was. Well, Danny, let us not quaddle. To work. If you insist. As indeed I do. However, the news I have to give you is pause. It's what? Pause. 
Not much of it. I put in a phone call to Vermont and the inn where Mrs. Hanson is staying. She was out walking the hills, so I left a message to get down here post-haste. Now, what else do you know? Well, I already told you, Danny, that the news was... Oh, hello, Muggerman. Hi, Gino. Uh, Danny. Yeah? I've been over the immigration department most of the morning checking on Kurt Bauer. Mm, what'd you find out? Oh, not much we don't know already. Uh, he was in the German army, deserted. You know what Kurt told you. Just one thing, though. Yeah? Bauer came over here with his mother, set her up in a little house out in Flushing. Uh, here's the address. Oh, Thanks, Mugman. Court was something fine, Herr Clover. Something beyond your understanding. I met him, Mrs. Bauer, talked to him. He told me he was a deserter. My court was a man of intelligence. When promises, dreams were not what they pretended to be. Court fled from them, as he fled from your authorities in our country. He said he'd been an unwilling Nazi, and that he was cleared. He was, but it was still flight, because Mrs. Hansen beckoned. She loved him. Many have loved Court. Many Mrs. Hansens. Younger, richer, less greedy for youth. And many husbands have wished my Court dead for this. Dale Hansen? Curious man. This house, it was his gift to court. Court's clothes, his apartment, money to spend. You mean they were a gift through Mrs. Hanson? No, no, from him, from him personally. Because my court went to him when we came to your country, explained to him his interest in Mrs. Hanson was only professional. She had talent for skiing. Explained to him his gratitude for the opportunities of your country. My court was an intelligent man. You could call it that. Was it not intelligent of him to go to Mr. Hansen immediately when you found him with Mrs. Hansen? When you told them of her husband's fear for her? Kurt did that? Immediately. To ask of Mr. Hansen the favor of money for our return to our home. Kurt had no wish to be present when... And what did Hansen do? He promised Kurt the money. He told Kurt to come here to me. He would bring the money to us. You wish more from me, Mr. Clover? No, no, nothing. And leave there, get back to Manhattan and back to headquarters. Check in and make another phone call. Call Vermont and talk to a desk clerk and be given answers. Then to a Park Avenue apartment where you'd been once before. Mr. Clover, come in. And watch Mr. Hanson as he took up his post again next to Plato, and then noticed that to the room another treasure had been added, his wife, Nola Hansen. This is a delight. I'm glad you're back in town, Mrs. Hansen. We're all glad. You've heard about Kurt, haven't you? I cried for him on the train, all the way to Boston. Then she met a Harvard professor. He took a clinical interest in her. How'd you find out about Kurt while you were in Vermont, Mrs. Hansen? Your sergeant left word about what happened. The desk clerk at the end gave me quite a detailed report. I forgot to tell you something, Nola. What? I saw Kurt, a little before the police. I went to his chambers to speak with him about you. And there he was, that tool of his trade right through his chest. I cried. I really did. Have either one of you heard about your daughter, about Connie? Yes, she tried to commit suicide. But she does that frequently, Mr. Clover. However, she's very careful not to succeed. 
By now she knows precisely to the pill her limit. She never exceeds it. Poor desperate girl. I wish I could feel more fatherly about her. Well, how could you, dear? Connie's so tall and you know. Let me ask you something, Mrs. Hanson. Yes? When I first met you, you were with Kurt Bauer. You were a different person. Nola has that talent. Thank you, dear. When I first met you, Mrs. Hanson, you seemed so concerned about Kurt, so warm toward him. Well, he was alive then. That's your talent, huh? Precisely alive. Kurt was something shining, vibrant. Dead? Well, he's dead. He sure, sure is. Well, Nola? Mr. Hanson. Don't be embarrassed, Mr. Clover. Nola and I will say our goodbyes right in front of you. You planned it all, didn't you, Mr. Hanson? Exceedingly well, don't you think? Well, let a girl in on it, will you, boys? What are you two talking about? About something exquisite, Nola. I had a man murdered, and Mr. Clover can't touch me. You murdered Kurt? I didn't say that, my dear. What time did you catch the train for Vermont, Mrs. Hanson? Hmm? Oh, well, let me see now. The chauffeur drove me to the station a little before four, and the train left soon after that. The train left, but you didn't. What do you mean? There was a train at four and another one at eight. You took the one at eight. I called the inn at Vermont. You arrived too late to have taken the four o'clock train. You mean I stayed around that dismal station all that time? You don't pay attention, Nola. He didn't say that either. That's right, I didn't. You didn't stay at the station. You used that time to murder Kurt Bauer. Me? This is very important, Nola. You really should make an effort to concentrate. He said you. Your husband said he had a murder committed. And he was right. He had you commit the murder, Mrs. Hanson. Dale, you expect me to listen to that? I do. Indeed, I do. Your husband's a clever man. He understands people. He knows how people close to him will react. Right. Right. He set something in motion, Mrs. Hanson, through me. He used me to frighten Kurt away from you. I told Kurt that something might happen to you. Kurt didn't want to be mixed up in it, so he ran. Like he always ran from everything, whenever there was trouble. Kurt didn't run, I ran. Kurt told you to go. And while you were away, he planned to leave the country. I found that out, too. I drew a diagram about what was going to happen. It has. So, congratulate me, Nola. They'll help me. That's more emotion than you've shown to me for years. Truly, Nola, I've missed it. That's why I did what I did. I grew bored about being embarrassed among my friends about you. Dale, help me. So you killed Kurt, Mrs. Hanson, because he was walking out on you. He told you that when you were waiting for the train, when you went to see him. Listen he... to me, Dale, you've got to help me. I was foolish. I was foolish before. You, you've stopped me before. All you had to do this time was to tell me to stop. And it was innocent, Dale, you know that. Listen, Dale, I... I was doing it for Connie, for your daughter. She's so unattractive. I was trying to convince Kurt to be kind to her, to love her. Don't you see? Don't you see, Dale? And when you do have an emotion for me, my dear, it's so distasteful. Goodbye, Nova. Nighttime blares down Broadway. The canyon streets gather it in like some passion. And the night is a backdrop for a million fragments. Neon and roar and melting shapes and shock and clots of crowd. It's a fury that sweeps you up and holds you close and throws you into the gutter of your choice. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent, 
the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway, my beat. Broadway's My Beat stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover, with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia and Jack Crucian as Mugovan. The program was produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's story, Betty Lou Gerson was heard as Nola Hansen and Ted Osborne as Dale Hansen. Featured in the cast were Mary Ship, Irene Tedrow, and Robert Boone. When Squire Jack Benny invites the whole gang to a swank Hollywood nightclub, the natural question arises in everybody's mind, who's picking up the check? They'll find out, and so will you, tomorrow night when CBS Radio brings you Jack Benny time. Bill Anders speaking. And remember, the Frankie Lane Show is your date with slick syncopation every Sunday afternoon on the CBS Radio Network. Select a case history number 116 from my book, Mystery is My Hobby. I call it Death is a Twin. This is the place, Riley. You wait out here. I'm going in. Okay, Chief. And better try again. I'll call you if I need you, Riley. In here, in the living room. Be right there. You're the police? I phoned for the police. Inspector Noah Danton, you're Susan Waterstone? Yes. Okay. Yes, Inspector, I... Okay, Miss Susan, what's this all about? It's my sister, Claire. Something's happened to her, I know it. Oh? What? She went into the library about 10 o'clock this morning with George Gale, our attorney. Told me if I needed anything to call out. I'm, I'm a cripple, you see. Yes, I see the wheelchair. A fine injury. I'm unable to walk a step. Claire does everything for me. If anything's happened to her, what would become of me? No, no, no. Just calm yourself. Maybe nothing's happened to her. But it has. I've been calling for her for the past half hour. She won't answer. Why didn't you wheel yourself into the library and see what was the matter? But I did wheel myself to the door. The door is locked. From the inside? I'm afraid so. I, I can't see through the keyhole. Well, guess I better take a look. Oh, wheel me along, will you please? I want to see. Yeah, yeah, sure. Which one? 
this door right here. Hmm, locked all right. Yep, keys in the lock on the inside. It's Wonderstone. It's Wonderstone. Anything the matter? I know it. Well, I guess I'll have to break in the door. Oh, no, please don't. That's such a beautiful old door. If you had to break anything, why not a window? Okay, it doesn't make much difference. I'll get Riley to do it. Hey, Riley, try and get in one of the library windows. They're all locked. Break one. Okay, Chief. Riley will be in the jiffy. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? Oh, maybe she just had a fainting spell. Guess the windows must have been locked. Holy cow. She was. She's dead. Claire dead. Oh, no. No! Mike Fat, Barton Drake's Chinese houseboy, carefully twirled a bottle of rare old vintage in the ice bucket and carefully adjusted a spotless napkin around the top. Carefully, he set just the right glass on each stand beside the two easy chairs, and then, just as carefully, placed a carpet tack point upwards in the chair where the good Inspector Danton would soon be planting his very ample frame. Mike Fat loved the good Inspector, but he also loved his little joke better. Mike, you up for something? Oh, no. Just putting out very cooling refreshment. All right, if you sound rather suspicious. Hope you have dinner ready. Inspector's always hungry, you know. Oh, yes, Mr. Drake. Dinner ready? Good. Yeah. Oh, Inspector here now, I think. I go. I'll be out in a minute. Well, evening, Mike. Thousand welcome, Mr. Inspector, to the abode of Mr. Drake. Also of humble Mike Fat. Please wait up. Oh, thanks. Where's Mark? Dinner ready? Mr. Drake enjoying pleasure of admiring new hand-painted necktie in the mirror. Uh-huh. <laughs> please sit down. Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, no, no, no. This is a chair, please. Huh? What's the matter with this one? That Mr. Drake's chair, please. Oh? I think I'll stand for a while. I'm tired of sitting. Oh, no, no. Better sit. Old Chinese proverbs say, quote, Man who sits in friend's house is friend of long-standing, unquote. <laughs> All right, I... Oh, something the matter? Inspector, was that you yelling? I sat on something. Oh, yes, in one moment. Oh, huh. only carpet tack. Mike, did what you... What are you saying? Uh, carpet uh-huh. tack should be in carpet. Excuse me, please. I get emergency blinding. That conniving, scheming, celestial heathen, I had to take him and... Uh, Inspector, mustn't accused without proper evidence, you know. Evidence? Oh, the carpet tack. I'll bet you Mike didn't leave a single clue. Well, I'm... Sit down, Inspector. I'll have Mike for your drink. I'll take mine standing up, thank you. <laughs> have it your own way. Oh, here, lead crossy bandage. Yeah, well, you can take it right back where you got it. For the Inspector drink, will you, Mike? Not on your life. I'll pour my own. All <laughs> oh, the Chinese proverbs say, he who drinks from white bottle, get red nose. Well, you get the... <laughs> get out of here. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can. Well, that you can sit down safely now, Inspector, I'm sure. Well, okay. Play yourself some wine. Okay. For mine, too. I'll trust you. Well, Inspector, have a hard day? No, nothing interesting. A few robberies, hit-and-run driver, wife beat up her husband, and uh, a suicide. Oh, well, suicides are always interesting. 
Always some very tragic reason that makes a man take the matter of his life into his own hands. Mm, nothing odd about this one. Just plain open and shut case. No, yeah, who was it? Gal by the name of Claire Waterstone. How did you do it? Poison. Glass of milk. Uh, look, Bart, how about dinner? Fingerprint? Sure. Dead girls on the glass. What did it happen? In the library. Sat there reading a book. Drank a poison milk. Just as calm as you please. Then dropped over dead. Reading a book, huh? Now look, Bart. Don't start getting any ideas. This was suicide. Plain and simple. Why, even all the doors and windows were locked on the inside. We had to bust a window in order to get in. And the only other person in the house was a crippled sister who couldn't walk two steps if the house was on fire. Now, come on, let's eat. Reading a book. Hmm. What uh, book was it, Inspector? Mm-hmm. If there's any satisfaction to you, it was one of yours. Huh? The first edition of Mystery is My Hobby. <laughs> what do you know? Now, will you tell that Chinese boy to start serving the food? Uh-uh. Food will have to wait, Inspector. Huh? If that girl was reading my book when she died, I feel duty-bound to look into this case. But it was suicide. I solved the case myself. Yeah, so it would seem. But anyway, get your hat and coat. We're calling on the remaining Miss Waterstone. Come along, Inspector. Oh, but I'm hungry. <laughs> And now, back to Glenn Langan for the second act of... Mystery is my hobby. Waterstone. Waterstone. You know that name strikes a familiar note somewhere, Inspector? Sure, you remember old man Waterstone who made a killing during the First World War? All kinds of publicity. War, profiteer, and all that stuff. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the newspapers made it so unpleasant for him that he retired. He's been living on his millions ever since. Then he's still alive. Nah, he kicked off about five years ago. What about his money? Left in trust equally to his two daughters, Susan, the crippled girl, and Miss Claire, the one who committed suicide. Hmm. The mother died when the twins were born. Twins? Sure, Susan and Claire. They were twins. Oh, I see. Uh, we'll pull in here. This is the place. It seems there's another visitor. Huh? That chap just going in the door. You know who he is, Inspector? Mm, no, can't say I do. Well, we'll soon be finding out. Uh, Miss Waterstone isn't at home, gentlemen. Just she... a minute, you. We're the police. Police? Oh, well, that's different. Come right in. Thanks. I uh, thought this matter had all been settled. It has. Well, then what? This is uh, just a final checkup, Mister. Uh, Mister. I'm George Gale, Miss Waterstone's attorney. How do you do? I'm Barton Drake. This is Inspector Noah Denton. How do you do? How do you do? George, George, is that you? Uh, yes, Susan. Is that someone with you? Yes, Susan. The uh, police and a Mister. Barton Drake. Well, bring him on in. Uh, follow me, gentlemen, please. Miss Susan is confined to a wheelchair, you know, Mister. Drake. Yes, I've been told. I didn't expect you back, Inspector. I thought this matter was all settled when they took my poor sister's body away. It is settled. It's just that Bart... Uh, Miss uh, Waterstone, I'm Barton Drake. I uh, knew of your father. Oh? Barton Drake, the, the writer? Yes. Susan is very fond of your books, Mr. Drake, so... Yes, indeed. Being confined as I am, I find reading a great relaxation, and I'm particularly fond of mystery stories. I'm very flattered, Miss Waterstone. Would you gentlemen care to join me in a cup of tea? I have some here, all nice and hot. I would. I'm That's hungry. Miss <laughs> Waterstone, I'd like to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind. I know this must be a very painful subject to you, but... Well, it's uh... all right, Mr. Drake. I'm only too glad to have someone to talk to. Thank you. 
Now, Miss Waterstone, do you know of any possible reason why your sister Claire should commit suicide? Why, I... I can I... give you a very good reason, except Mr. Girl. Claire lost all her money. Oh? All that money her father left her? Yes. Claire was a spendthrift. She ran with a fast crowd, Mr. Drake. Why, I've seen her lose 10000 over a gambling table in one night. But if you handled a trust fund, why did you let her? The terms of the will allowed me to make a cash settlement when she was 25. I advised her against it, of course, but... Mm-hmm. And she lost it all, eh? Yes, she did. She couldn't take it, I guess, so she took the easy way out. But you still have your share of the money, Miss Waterstone? Oh, yes. I'm able to live very well on the interest of my investment. You see, Mr. Drake, I've... I've taken the precaution never to be a burden to anyone. A very wise move, I'm sure. Uh, Claire didn't think so. She was mad as hops because Susan wouldn't give her half of what she had. Poor Claire. I did take care of her, Mr. Drake. I, I gave her an allowance of $100 a week. I see. Inspector, uh, mm-hmm. I want you to show me around the library. Oh, well, come on. You'll excuse us for a bit, won't you, folks? What's yes, up? indeed. What's Thank the you? matter with you, Bart? I've never seen you act this way before. Yeah. Not just over a plain old suicide. This the door? Yeah. Well, come on in if you come. Oh, just a minute, wait a minute. Did you uh, oil this lock when you were trying to get the door open, Inspector? Oh, of course not. Riley opened that door with a key from the inside. Yeah. That's strange. Well, now, where was the body? Slumped over in this chair. And the book, my book? Laying in her lap. Hmm. That's the book for fingerprints? Sure, sure. Whose? Hers. Oh, uh-huh. What was the glass of milk? Laying on the floor. That spot there was the milk. I see. How do you know the milk contained the poison? We analyzed the spot. Now, are you satisfied? What's that broken window? Where Riley came in. Barnett told you all about this before. Now, what are you trying to... <laughs> Look at here. Huh. They both must have liked mysteries. <laughs> you know, here's a book of mine I'd forgotten I'd ever written. Well, I wish you'd go home and write another. I'm hungry. I want to eat. <laughs> Very well, Inspector. Let's go. You mean... Back to your house and good old Mike Fat's dinner? No, Inspector. Down to the morgue. Good evening, Charlie. Oh, good evening, Mr. Drake. You come down to take a look at my customers. We came down to look at a step. Yes, yes, of course. Come right in, gentlemen. How are you this evening, Inspector? I'm starving to death. Good, good. I had a cadaver that came in this morning to starve to death rather thin. Now, what can I show you? I've got all types. Look, we aren't down here to pick out Miss Corpse of 1947. Oh, we'd like to look at Miss Claire Waterstone, Charlie. Claire Waterstone? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'll see if she's in. Thank you. Yes, yes, here she is. Someone to see you, my dear. Beautiful girl, beautiful girl. Of course, Charlie, of course. You're sure this is the right one? Yes, yes, indeed. I have her case history right here. Got it tied to her big toe. Claire Waterstone, poison suicide. Yes, she's the right one, all right. Well, what are you waiting for, Charlie? Just looking at her face. Awful sad. Awful sad. Well, there you are. That judge, Inspector, what a remarkable resemblance. Why not? They were identical twins. Yes, this must have come for us. Well, that's enough. I've seen all I care to. My pleasure. Come on, Inspector, let's go. 
You mean that last we're going to eat? Hmm, well, maybe. If Miss Susan will make you a cup of tea. And now, back to Glenn Langan for the third act of... Mystery is my hobby. Well, I hope at last you're satisfied, Bart. Yes, Inspector. I'm satisfied. <laughs> I told you it was suicide all the time. I'm satisfied that it's murder. Uh, murder? Oh, now, by the Lord. Just a door, Inspector. I want to make a phone call. Phone call? Go home. My stockbroker. Stockbroker? Are you nuts? I don't think so. Well, while you're phoning, I'm going to have a double banana split. Listen, Al. You know a chap by the name of George Gale? Yes, that's the one, a lawyer. Yeah? Down at the stock exchange, that's right. Yeah. Quite a heavy loser, huh? Thanks, Al. That's just what I wanted to know. Yeah, sure. Meet me for lunch tomorrow. All right, bye. And vanilla. And plenty of nuts, Barney. You feel already. Yes, Inspector. Come along. We've got work to do. But I just ordered it. No, what's the use? I'm coming. Suicide. Morgue. Murder. Stockbroker. <laughs> I give up. You want to solve this case, don't you, Inspector? I've already solved it. All I want to do is eat. Back to the Waterstones, Inspector. Oh, now, look, Bart, I don't mind going along with a gag, but this time you're going just a little bit too far. You think so, Inspector? You're darn right. This is nothing but an ordinary police job, just plain suicide. That's the way it's marked up in the book sound of headquarters, and that's the way it's going to stay. Oh, Inspector, I'm afraid you're in for a big surprise. But it couldn't be anything else. Huh? It couldn't be murder. Look, be reasonable, will you? Why couldn't it be murder? Because nobody could walk into that library, give Miss Claire a glass of poison milk, and then walk out and leave all the windows and doors locked on the inside. That's why. Claire just had to lock that door herself. Well, it's been done before. If you read my book on the case of... And besides that, there weren't anybody else's fingerprints on that glass but Claire. Of course there weren't, Inspector. You wouldn't expect there would be, would you? Oh, no. And now, Miss Susan, just one more little thing, and then we'll go, maybe in peace. Of course, Mr. Drake, what is it? Susan, it seems to me they've been poking around quite enough. Oh, never mind, George. I'm sure Mr. Drake knows what he's doing. Thank you very much. I'd like to look at your sister's room, if you don't mind. Oh, certainly. Right down the hall. The last door on the left. Thanks. Coming, Inspector? Yeah. If you don't mind, I won't go with you. My wheelchair. Yes. Of course. I think this is it. Yeah. In a dark and gloomy. Yeah, isn't it? Now, let's see. What are you looking for? Hmm? Oh, just things. Oh, not much in here. She wasn't very fancy. No. A little bottle of perfume. Let's look in the closet. Huh? Not much of a wardrobe. Well, you got to remember, Claire lost all her money. Probably sold all her fur coats and stuff. Kind of heavy for dressing gowns and robes. Pretty nice slippers. Probably stuff she had left over from the good old days. 
Seen enough? Hmm? Oh, yes, yes, in here. While we're at it, we might as well take a look at Susan's room. Okay, anything to get you out of here so I can eat. Must have shared the bathroom. Yeah. Well, this girl Susan has the best room. She says she has. Very nice. Want to look in the closet back? No, you look. What I'm trying to find will more likely be in a dresser drawer. She's got plenty of clothes. Evening gowns, four dresses, three spark coats, and about about 50 pairs of shoes. Yeah, so I suppose. She has all the money, remember? Isn't that what you said, Inspector? Yeah, I sure did. Uh-uh. Inspector, here it is. Here what is? The key to the whole crime. Huh. It's nothing but a knitting needle. Yes, that's right, Inspector. What do you suppose that string is doing tied to the end of it? Is that the way you knit? Is that... Uh, I don't know. I suppose she... What is it doing tied there? Just another fatal mistake our murderer made, Inspector. This knitting needle throws up the whole case. Now I'm able to tell you who our murderer is and who was murdered. But we know who was murdered, committed suicide. It was Claire Waterstone. You're sure of it, are you, Inspector? Of course I'm sure. I'm sure. Glad you had to figure it out, Mr. Drake. Hey, Bart, look. Susan Waterstone, she's wanted. Your mistake, Inspector, not Susan, but Claire. Then where's Miss Susan? We just left We just left Miss Susan Waterstone with Charlie down at the morgue. I would like to know just how you figured this all out. Well, stop me if I'm wrong, but here's the way I think it happened. After you lost your money, Miss Claire, you were forced to depend upon your sister, Susan, for your very existence. In order to get the weekly allowance she gave you, you had to wait on her hand and foot. You're right so far. It got to be pretty tiring after a while. You couldn't see why a crippled girl who was unable to go anywhere should have all that money while you, who were young and healthy, didn't have a dime. So you decided it would be wonderful to change places with your sister and have all that money for yourself. Yeah, but one of them was crippled, by Susan, why did you get out of the chair? Oh, it's no use, George. Mr. Drake knows everything. Oh, that's too bad. You don't think I'm going to let him tell, do you? Barty's got a gun. Yes, indeed. I wouldn't use it, though, Mr. Gale. Oh, I don't think I will. After all, Claire is the murderer. <laughs> no, George. You are the murderer. What? Why, I... This morning, when Susan was in the library, you brought her a glass of poisoned milk. You've been careful to hold the glass with a napkin in order not to leave any fingerprints. Susan drank the milk, or at least part of it. And the poison worked immediately. But I thought that... Then, George, you took her out of the wheelchair and dumped her body in an easy chair and placed an open book in her lap, a book that she'd been reading at the time. That was another mistake. People who commit suicide never do it while they're reading books, George. Very clever, aren't you? Not so clever, George. This case was very simple. Then you wheeled out the wheelchair and carefully oiled the lock in the library door. You took this knitting needle in which you had attached this string. You put the needle through the handle of the key, stretched the string to the floor and under the door so that the end was on the other side, the outside. Then you carefully closed the door, pulled on the string, the needle turned the key and locked the door and then fell to the floor. It was a simple matter to give the string a yank and pull the needle under the door. And you hid it in Miss Claire's dresser drawer. And you had done the supposedly impossible. Locked the door on the inside. How did you guess? I didn't have to guess. I'd written up a case just like this one. It was in the book Susan Waterstone was reading, and which, by the way, you also must have read. Well, that's about all. Except that you then forced Miss Claire to assume her sister's identity, didn't you? I hate to do this. It's either you or me. You ready, Inspector? Don't try it. I'm going to shoot you first, Mr. Drake, and then I... No, 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 no. I got it. Uh, Inspector, I felt the wind of that one. Oh, oh, 
I'd save those tears, my dear. You'll need them for your sister's funeral. And now, back to Glenn Langan for the conclusion of... Mystery is my hobby. Oh, Mr. Inspector, you would uh, like a maybe so happy little wine? Uh, okay, Mike, but no more tricks. Oh, no tricks. No, sir. Dinner uh, ready pretty soon, Mike? I'm starving. Yes, sir. few minutes, sir. Good, good, good. You know, Bart, I can't get over the way that Claire grabbed that gun. I suppose that she was in with George Gale all the time. Yes, she was, Inspector. However, embezzlement and murder are two different things. Clara wouldn't go for murder. Yeah, but how about Susan's murder? Clara really thought that it was suicide, the same as you did. Yep, George sure had me fooled. I don't know how you ever figured out that Claire wasn't Susan. Oh, no, Inspector, I'm surprised at you. That girl at the morgue, didn't you notice her legs? Sure. She had two, just like everybody else. Uh Uh-uh. No, not like everybody else, Inspector. Hers were thin, very thin. Not at all the legs of a girl we used them to walk on. And then, of course, the clues in the bedrooms were unmistakable. Did you honestly believe that Susan, being confined to her wheelchair, would use evening gowns, sport clothes, fur coats, and 50 pair of shoes? Well, I... I don't know. Uh, how did you know that George killed her instead of Claire? Well, primarily because of my call to my broker. He said that George Gale had been gambling on the stock exchange with much more money than he could possibly possess. Only, Inspector, it was Susan's money instead of Claire's. Hers was already gone, remember? Gentlemen, dinner is served. <laughs> At last we eat. Just a minute, Inspector. Button Drake speaking. Yes? Yes. Oh, yes, indeed. What? What? We'll be right over. You... Come on, Inspector, get your hat. But, Bart, dinner's ready. You I have a eat later, Inspector. You uh, can eat later. Right now, we're going to investigate a very mysterious murder. But, Bart, with me, eating is a very serious business. I know, Inspector, but with me, mystery is my hobby. Case closed for this week. You can find more from the stories you heard today, past episodes of this show, and everything else. Relic Radio at relicradio.com. Thousands of old time radio episodes available to listen to there. And as always, if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on the link on the website. Your support makes it all possible. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again next Wednesday with another episode of Case Closed.